0: Folks, thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I'm going to start with my apologies for this episode taking longer to get out than I wanted to. It's my fault. We had a uh, trip to Costa Rica, which I'll get into in a minute. So we're down there for a little bit, came back to a bunch of work, and then pretty good surf too. So I can't say that I had a lot going on. I was kind of sending it a lot. Um, So I hope you guys understand. Today's guest on the show is Paul Cooper. Uh, Paul is one of the guys leading the pack in strapped riding. And what I love about Paul is that he is all in on foiling insofar as that he's actually making his own straps. And I love that about our sport where we're still at a stage right now where innovation is coming from the riders. Guys who are seeing things, doing things that other folks aren't doing, therefore They are experiencing something different and they're seeing areas of possible improvement and then taking that on and you can still do that. And I think it's a beautiful thing because I think if you look out another, I don't know, five years, 10 years, it's going to be so much harder for uh, a little guy to hop in and create something new because we're going to start seeing best practices and everything is going to be much more figured out than it is right now. And so it's beautiful. We're at a place now where foils have gotten to a spot where they're really good. But there's still areas where we can all improve things. You know, Kane and Pedigo making tails that are amazing. Uh, you can still make boards and, and innovate in the board space where, um, yeah, it's just just stuff that isn't figured out yet. And I think that's that's awesome. And it will become refined. And that will be for Our benefit for sure because everything's just going to be better but um, it's a cool place to be right now so Paul's back on the show we go through everything strapped riding winging uh, downwinding you guys are going to like it a couple notes before we jump in so unifoil just hooked me up with the whole kit and I mentioned it on the show last time but between the last episode and recording this intro i was uh, in costa rica for i don't know nine ten days towing the majority of the time and got to ride the 150 viper the 150 vortex in some really good waves you know on the east coast here in florida we don't get a lot of longer periods well. And when we do, our bars are pretty straight. So it's, it's not great. And I got to spend some time where I used to live on a reef break that I used to surf all the time. Probably my favorite spot in the whole entire world. You know, like Damo, my son and I, like he learned to surf on an inside little reef there. We named it, which is cool. Like there's a couple spots there that we named. And so it just feels like going home in a way and it welcomed us in with some incredible surf it was you know three to four feet 14 15 seconds pretty much for the whole week a lot of tow days a couple prone days on that same reef though when it was bigger and that was fun learning you know how you can take off in in bigger surf and it's more possible than i realized you just got to pick the right ones but then getting to experience know, i pretty much just rode unifoil the whole trip and 150 vortex 150 viper and and feeling because i the vortex is one of my favorite foils of all time you know and i wrote it a lot on the stealth uh, 175 and 200 but it's you know was cliffy's design originally and so on the 150 and that thing is so good but i gotta say i think that i like the viper more you know with the anhedral the way that it holds in the pocket and you know, i was riding it adam rides it with the long fuse and i was jiving with it a little bit more with the short fuse, but then a wider tail. We didn't really have to pump a whole lot, you know, cuz we're we're towing and you're pretty lazy when you're towing. So, but I was just really blown away by how how that foil would hold in the pocket and um I was also playing with really for the first time diving in on the on the 83 mast. And so that took a little bit of time and I love it. I think it's fantastic to be on a longer mast. You know, there's a delay in roll. So that took a day or so to kind of figure out like um, the timing of going rail to rail. But once I figured that out, like I love it, just feels like you're so safe all over the place. You know, I I didn't breach barely at all on the trip. So you got the 150, it's a a narrower span, and then you're on the longer mast. And there's just so much, I don't want to say safety, but just you can really push things because you're not worried about tips. And generally I'm on a 75 with, you know, a wider foil. And so I'm really cautious about where I'm going. And so now I'm riding longer masts back home. You know, um, TJ sent me a no limits mast, which is about an 80. So it gives me an extra couple, couple inches. The uh, Sadrus I have is a 71, which turns into about a 75 and I'm liking longer. So I've been on that no limits a little bit. And um, on the 1095, it's just let me push everything harder. And I, and I love that. I love being able to push. Now there is a drawback. And the drawback is, is that the way that I like to hit whitewater, it's much more difficult with a longer mass. The timing is off. I'm kind of like ollieing up into the lip when I'm hitting it. And so everything's been a little different. And now I've got the timing down on the 80, but I'm having a hard time because I'm riding it super slammed forward. we am to talk about tuning in a second, but the way that I'm riding the 1095 now is that I'm slamming it forward in the box. And there's just not enough nose. Like I'm coming out the back a lot on turns that I would normally pull on a shorter mast. And so I've got to figure out, I think I'm just going to have to go to steeper sections maybe, or, or try to like kind of ollie off the bottom a little bit harder, or maybe even push that off the face a little bit more. I've been breaking down some clips, trying to figure it out, but it's, um, the benefits far outweigh the, the downside in longer masts, I think. And so that's going to be a part of, of my game. Um, All right. Tuning a little bit here. So we were surfing a small day up at a spot that we love around here. And it's a spot where you're kind of like going into an inlet. It's like almost like a long point. So you're like a two minute ride kind of into an inlet. And then it's pretty easy just to run back up the beach. And so we've been doing this for, I don't know, an hour and a half. And, and I was like, I just feel like trying a new a new setup that I hadn't tried before. And so I was on the 1095 tuning how I normally do, which is like a extra, I don't know, minus 0.5. So a little bit extra lift on the blunt tails on the Sadris. And I was like, one of the things that I don't like necessarily about Takuma, how I had been setting it up is that it rides pretty far back in the box. And then it's drivey, which I like, but then you lose a lot of the pivot. And so I was like, I wonder what would happen if I reverse the shim and I actually went to a plus 1.5 and then slam it all the way forward in the box. I was on the JS. And for some reason, the aluminum fuse Takuma and the JS with no base plate shim, those angles are beautiful together. Um, so anyway, slam it all the way forward in the box and it was the best feel I had had out of the ten ninety five, And I love that foil. And that's how I'm riding it now. So I'm getting it all the way far, you know, f- uh, super far forward in the box. And it's fantastic. And it, it's really pivoty and slidey in the whitewater now. And, um, but I am having a problem like when I'm hitting the lip, getting back onto the face of the wave turns are feeling real good. I'm finding that slip and the whole thing, but, but I'm not landing nearly as many as I would on, well, you know, like a 75 mast. And it seems like it's not that big of a difference, but I can see the board angle change as it engages and it's it's kind of weird. So, all right. Um Last thought before we dive in, and that's going to be about boards and about what's happening with tuning right now. And it kind of bums me out a little bit because everything, you know, foils are so specific. Brand foils are so specific and they all have different angles When you're talking about, you know, mass diffuse connection, mast angle itself, um, angle of attack of front wings, and then how you're, you know, and then you can hopefully, I think every brand should make tails that you can shim, but some decide not to. And I just don't understand it blows my mind, but um, the foils ride so much different that I don't think that you're going to get a board that doesn't require a base plate shim depending on what you're riding. So the last board that I made, uh, it's called the Majestic 12. I don't know if you guys are UFO fans, but uh, look that up, Majestic 12. And I made it for basically where I had been shimming almost everything before the aluminum fuse Takuma, which now comes with basically the base plate shim. It comes with a different angle than the carbon mast. And so, you know, my board on lift signature unifoil is perfect. No base plate shim needed. Super direct connection to the board. I think it feels better. But now with the new Takuma, I have to reverse shim it. And there's something about reverse shimming that just doesn't seem to feel as good for me. Where the JS with the rocker that the JS has feels perfect on the Takuma. And I said, I don't know if like when you're making a board model in the future, you're going to have to specify the angle. And maybe there's a way someone smart out there could, you know, help me figure out like the right way to um kind of classify categorize the angles but you know something that's going to feel great on a unifoil is not going to feel great on the takuma with the aluminum fuse because of the angle so you're going to always need base plate shims and so maybe in the future boards are built and we we say what the angle is so that you know if you're riding takuma you get a board where you don't need a plate shim on takuma so All right. Let's dive in with Paul Cooper. One thing I should mention is this show was delayed a little bit. At the end of the show, he gives a discount for anyone listening for his straps. He said through February, that's going to go through March now. So I believe the discount code is the progression project and or progression project. Listen at the end of the show got you got to stay tuned for that but it's going to go through march so enjoy the show thank you guys as always for tuning in appreciate it and feel free to hit me with questions comments or feedback and be well
1: cooper thank you for coming back on the show man how's it what's up what's up eric yeah it's been long overdue definitely long overdue yeah for sure
0: yeah you've been ripping it's been really fun to watch the progression over the last, <laughs> what has this been? Year and a half now since we talked. Yeah,
1: I think I was on June 2020 around there. So yeah, it's been yeah about a year and a half. A lot has happened since then for sure. I mean, the progression has gone ballistic. Foils have gone ballistic, winging all that stuff. It's just been insane. So it's exciting times in the foil world. That's for sure
0: how has your mindset towards foiling changed over this amount of time? You know, like three years in, is the love affair still strong?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, definitely the passion is still there. I think it's kind of evolved just because you know, the things I was focusing on like a year and a half ago are different than what I'm focusing on now. And then I think for me personally, with this, the whole business aspect of it is also something that's different from a year and a half ago, you know, going from just writing, doing all this to trying to, you know, create a business out of something that I love to do. So, so yeah, so all of that kind of, you know, It's culminating into where I'm at with foiling right now. But the froth is next level as usual. It hasn't weaned down at all.
0: Yeah, it's unreal, isn't it? You know, like usually you would think that you'd start to get bored with something, but I am Spending more time foiling now than I did at the beginning, and all the gear and uh, it's just ridiculous. And okay. the different ways to approach it. You take the wing or now the downwind, and it's just like it doesn't matter what the conditions are. you can kind of send it
1: every day. Oh yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I think, yeah, for me, the winging has just like opened up like, cause I wouldn't really go out and prone when it's windy over here on my side, when the wind comes up, it's like not unrideable, but it's just not as fun. So I would tend to like take those days off. And now I'm just like, looking at wind maps, wind forecasts, looking out my, my window. And if it's windy, I'm (laughs) I'm pumping up my wing and I'm out there. It's, it's crazy. So
0: let's start there, man. I'm so like, you know, I was never a wing hater. I just wasn't, I don't know, ready for it. I didn't see how incredible it could be. And now all of a sudden it's just spun in the last month. It's just, I'm so frothy on it now.
1: (laughs) Um, Well. I, I mean, I'll admittedly say that I wasn't a wing hater, but I totally quit winging. I think um, when it started coming around, it was about a, what was it like, maybe like a year ago, I got into it. I bought the wing, just tried to finagle boards that I could get my hands on and stuff. And I... Was doing it. I was in the learning process. It sucked. It was like awful because it's you know it sucks to learn how to do it. And I actually Terrible. It. I, <laughs> Yeah, it's the worst. It's and and I have no wind experience. I've never windsurfed. I never kited. You know.
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah mad as you've gotten in those moments when winging is not going right. I don't know if I've ever lost my temper that amount of times, and it's pretty, I've had some brutal moments.
1: Oh no. I, I I mean, even, well, I would say less now, but I mean, even within the last month, I, I still have some shocker sessions where <laughs> I'm just like losing like my shit, like, sorry, <laughs> sorry for swearing, but yeah, okay. I'm just like, I'm just like losing it. So, but yeah, no, in the beginning, like the most shocking sessions ever, you know, like not even like getting the board out of the water kind of thing for like hours, it's insane. So nope. yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, I started and then I quit, like I was over it. I was super over it. And then I was trying to do a lot of like, prone downwinding. So, so I met up with like the Voyagers, you know, Scotty, all those guys, Kahi, Sim, and did a few of the Keiko's runs, which was super fun. It's just not super close to where I live. So I was attempting to do some downwinders by my house and it's just, it just doesn't really work where I'm at. There's a lot of outer reefs. So what I would do, I'd have my wife drop me off about two miles down the road. And then I would catch some chippers, try to get out as far as I could, but it it would always kind of be like, you know, I would end up in dead zones a lot. So, so, and then the other thing, which is crazy for which kind of like stopped my downwinding journey is on this side, we have a lot of drone fishermen. I don't know if you ever heard of that.
0: I get the concept. Yeah. So, so
1: it's basically fishermen on the shoreline. They hook their lines to drones and they take them like a mile out to sea. It's insane. It's crazy right now over here. And it's pretty bad. I find dead lines out in the water get tangled in my foils all the time. So, but, but I would be like a mile out on a bump, not a wave to chip in sight and then hit a drone line and fall, you know, and it would just like totally kill my downwind session. So after a few of those, I'm like, I'm kind of over that too. You know, I just, (laughs) you know, it just wasn't working. And then back to the winging, I finally got some better equipment. Cloud sent me their wings, which are amazing. I love their wings and got me a better board and it just clicked. And then once it clicked, I was like, so once I was able to get into the surf and cause, cause I don't really wing for flat water stuff, you know, like just mowing the lawn as they call it back and forth. It's not something that, you know, I find enjoyable, mm-hmm. but using that wing as like, I call it an elevator to get me out like two miles out. And then I can catch a swell back in, you know, with the wing floating behind me. It's that is insane. Like I almost enjoy it more than toe foiling. Like it's so much fun.
0: That's the same way we're doing. it. It is basically on pretty much onshore days where runners aren't really on offer. And actually right now I'm having as much fun winging as I do on the runners. The runners are so much cardio You're just, you're working a lot. They're insane because you get to surf, you know, in and out of the surf the whole time, but there's a lot of pumping. There's something about just, you know, the elevator whatever you want to call it, just whipping yourself out a bit and then just catching a bump and just sending it. And it's so much fun how much energy. Our shore, we have a lot of shoaling. It it gets pretty shallow. You know, Florida, we have a pretty, like a pretty long shelf here. And once you get off half mile or so, everything gets so much, there's so much more energy, raw energy out there. And so that's hard to tap into. I know if I was James Casey, I'd just be paddling out by myself two miles and doing it. But some little sketch about that. I drop you, Paul. So Paul didn't pay his internet bill and just got kicked off. But what I was saying, <laughs> Paul, is that <laughs> I got uh, to sell more straps.
1: I got to
0: sell more <laughs> straps. Um, we're using it the same way. We're elevating out. And then linking into bumps and our, our energy gets so much better because of our continental shelf. When you get, you know, a half mile offshore and the wing lets that become very easy. So you don't have to be like James Casey feeling comfortable, sending it paddling out by yourself for two miles. I think (laughs) actually, I think as soon as other people get on the downwind train here with me, I'm the only guy who's got a board right now and we have, you know, you can partner up and go out. I think it's going to really open it up, but
1: Yeah. I mean, even though, even partnering up, it's like when you're out there, I mean, even with a group, cause, cause like the few times that I've gone with, with Voyager guys and stuff, it's like, as soon as you go, I mean, you're, you're still pretty much on your own. I mean, unless you have like some kind of boat or jet ski escort. I mean, it's, so I recommend I have an Apple watch with the cellular, you know, for the emergencies and stuff like that. I mean, you know, if you're gonna do this kind of thing, definitely be prepared, have extra precautions, let people know where you are, where you're gonna end up and stuff for sure.
0: Hundred percent. I, I have mine and um it's saved me so many times, not from danger, just from ending up miles from where I wanted to be <laughs> getting yeah. a ride or oh yes, you know, but let my wife know that it's not going well. And instead of a half an hour run, it's going to be a two, two hour run. She's not freaking out. Yeah. So
1: in your wing journey, what are the, the big moments for you? I think the big moments were definitely gear related. I think once I found a wing that felt really comfortable, that was a little easier to go upwind than what I started with. I think once... I was able to go upwind and then I had that confidence that, you know, in the right conditions and most majority of conditions, I can kind of start in a place and end up back in that same place. That was kind of the big aha moment for me because then it just, that's when it kind of opened up everything and confidence is, is kind of key with it too. Cause it's like, if you feel confident that, you know, You can kind of do what you want out there, position yourself to where you want to go. then, And you're not worried about just getting blown downwind here. um, It's a lot more kind of side rather than onshore winds where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So you, in the beginning, I would start at one place and end up, you know, miles down. And that's why I would have like my wife drop me off and then I would end up, you know, by my house kind of thing. Whereas now I just, you know, I park, I launch and... I ride and I come back to exactly where I launched out from. So to have that confidence to be able to do that just freed up my mind to just enjoy being out there and stuff. So that was one thing. And then I think another aha moment for me, because I'm a little bigger, I'm like 2'10 right now. So I'm heavy. And I was always trying to force, well, I want to be on my prone board kind of thing. You know, I want you know that's the goal so i would really force that so i would take the smaller board out on days that i shouldn't have and for me to get a 35 liter board out of the water i need so much wind you know so i've actually kind of veered back towards higher volume boards and just enjoyed riding those you know cuz the comfort i have being able to pop up if i need to is you know better than having to have the freedom of riding like a small board at this point until I lose like 50 pounds. So
0: what, what boards are you riding? What foils are you riding on the
1: I Well, I ride cloud nine foils. I think the last time I was on the show, I was still riding lift and I was in the process of getting the cloud stuff. And I've been on it this you know, year and a half. And depending on the conditions, if the winds are a little bit lighter, the waves are a little bit smaller. I'll usually go out with their F38. And that's, I would say that's probably similar to like a lift 170 high aspect. It's a little bit bigger wingspan than that about the same surface area. And then if the waves are a little bigger, I'll use probably my F32 or F28. And those are like my surf wings. Like my F28 is my, Go to daily driver surf wing, but and then boards wise, I've been riding apple tree wing boards. So I started using the apple slice seventy liter wing board, and then I just got those new jazz wing boards, which are super sick. So I've been riding a seventy five liter and a sixty two liter. So the so
0: seventy just more more volume.
1: Yeah, I mean I can't stand on it and float. But the seventy-ish liter ones, I can knee start, and it's if there's a little bit of wind, I'm not sinking. If there's no wind, like I'm to my waist, even on the seventy liter. But if there's you know something that grabs the wing and makes me move, I can get that board kind of up, you know, in pretty light winds. And then once I'm up on foil, I can kind of keep it up, you know, in some. Yesterday was pretty light when I went out and i was able to stay up on foil you know for i think an hour until the wind's totally died but
0: that's epic how do those cloud the bigger cloud wings uh, go in on the downwind on bumps they're pretty good, efficient good yeah super sick
1: i mean it's not going to be probably as fast as like uh, 120 or anything like that but the glide is there and to me it keeps up with the bump which is what you want you know like like speed is kind of relative for me when I look at it, because you just need something that keeps up with the energy that you're on. So to me, it does that fine. It's real stable. I'll use it with the stock tail for downwinding um, all the way back. And yeah, it's sick. I love that wing for that kind of stuff.
0: Right on. Let's dive into your straps, man. You sent me a a pair and I I am very ashamed to say that while (laughs) people have ridden them, I'm not a strapped guy yet. Yeah. And yeah. So I actually don't have a board to put them on. And so they're beautiful. And everyone is saying that they're the best made
1: straps. Oh, wow. Awesome. That's, that's
0: Yeah. You that's put sick. a lot of love into it. You can tell. And I think I got an early generation too. Yeah. So what? actually Austin wants to borrow them right now. Yeah.
1: Austin, reach out. Yeah. I'll get you a set. Let's, let's get Austin going. That'd be sick. Yeah. So it's been a journey. Yeah. Because even I was listening a little bit. Cause I just wanted to kind of see the, where I was at. I was listening to our conversation from a year and a half ago and yeah, that was pre me making straps for myself at all. And it just, the whole journey started because I just couldn't find the right straps at that time. I I think I was using Armstrong's and I was uh, wrapping them in neoprene. Cause they were cutting up my feet really bad. And I think my feet were slipping out of it, just the, the way the foam is. So, so yeah, so I went on this journey of trying to make straps for myself. And then once that kind of, you know, started coming around, I was like, oh, I think I could, you know, maybe try and sell these. Nobody's really making something that's, you know, really specific to prone foiling, which, you know, my straps started out that way. But I think they can be used for anything that needs straps. So, but, uh, but yeah, but it's been a journey. I've gone through tons of prototypes, the shape that I ended up, you know, kind of coming to is Void now, and that's uh, my Send It series. And, and those are what I use for winging, prone, and all of that. So, but, uh, but yeah, I'm super stoked on the progression of it, finding the materials that I needed to. And yeah, I'm stoked. I'm super stoked. And I'm super stoked that people have been stoked on them too. You know, it's pretty cool to kind of create something and then, you know, have other people enjoy it as much as I do. So I'm stoked on that.
0: Dave Kalama and I were just kind of messaging back and forth about that a little bit, just how fun it is to make something, you shape boards that someone else gets to enjoy and, kind of like share in that journey with them a little bit, be a part of their froth or experience. So it's so cool.
1: Yeah. So sick. I mean, and that's like next level, like board design, all of that. I've been working with Glenn, uh, who does magic boards for the past year and a half and stuff. And we've come up with some insane designs and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's so sick. Like, the things that people are coming out with, and and I feel like it's getting to a point where everything is more kind of fine tuned, you know. And I think you know the foiling community is like really, you know, pinpointing like what aspect of foiling that they want. You know, it's not just like okay, let's go buy a foil board. It's like okay, well, do you want a surf foil board? Do you want a downwind board? Do you want a wing board? Like it's insane, like how specific. It has become,
0: you know, absolutely. Yeah, I'm working on two two models right now, and one of them is it's getting more granular than that for me to where one of them is going to be. Uh, and I'm just, I think I just finished this one for surfing, banging, and you know, a lot of how you want your board to interact with the white water, and then skip and pump, and then the other ones kind of like a board built for carving, and they're nice. they're both you know super different uh, in the way that you take on, I like to design for like purpose. Yeah. And yeah. It's so sick T- talk about, you know, Kyle from Project Sadrus was just on the show and got so much feedback from that show about what goes into making a quality foil product. And I know that you learned to sew, I mean, we talked about that, I think on the last show, I think you were just getting into that mm-hmm. and you know, h- how you're taking on sourcing materials and why you've landed on some of the things that you've landed on for your straps.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just kind of developed, you know, and involved and, and just, well, first off it's sourcing materials was just, what can I find? You know, what's on Amazon? It's like, what website can I get things from? What kind of makes sense price wise? What am I capable of doing with the sewing machine? I am not you know, trained in any way, shape or form. Like I don't even think I really used the sewing machine until I started getting into this. Um, and I've had, you know, a few people give me tips and stuff along the way, which is great, but yeah, just kind of, you know, evolved from that, whatever, what else, you know, what type of materials I could find. And then I would say about eight months ago, I was able to connect with the factory And I've been going back and forth doing samples and stuff because I don't want to be at a sewing machine for eight hours a day and not in the water. So if I don't have to make these straps myself and I can find somebody that can make them, you know, at a high quality, then, you know, that's where I ended up on. And that's kind of where I'm at you know, today I finally have, you know, straps that have been made that are my design in a factory that can do kind of things that I can't do with my sewing machine and I don't have the skills to do it. So, so yeah, so that's where I'm at today with the straps. I'm super stoked on how they came out.
0: Right on. So let's get into your progression, you know, in watching you evolve really in that top tier guys leading the air game, especially in the rotations and some of the things you're doing and mapping a lot of that out, you know, a lot of that didn't exist as you were learning it. So you're, there's one thing to learn something when you can break down someone else doing it. It's another thing to invent and (laughs) find inspiration, you know, like talk about that journey.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I would say, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, it's the sport is so new. Everybody's trying to Grasp where they are with it. So it's, yeah, I I don't think I really had anybody to kind of, I mean, bits and pieces, I was still bits and pieces from different writers. But when it comes to, you know, strapped hits, you know, because my approach to my strap foiling and foiling in general is, you know, I'm a surf foiler first, you know, like I try to use the wave as much as I can, you know, I try to. Be more in the pocket. Most of my airs are off of sections. You know, I'm I'm not doing kind of flat water stuff. I'll do stuff off the back of waves, but it's not like my favorite to do. I kind of use you know pumping and launching off the back of a wave as more of a like like a trampoline, I would say, just to kind of get the aerial awareness and get that rotation sort of dialed in. But to me, I'm trying to hit sections. I'm trying to you know hit foam, and I don't, uh, especially like you know a year and a half ago, there wasn't really many people doing it. So I just took it upon myself to, you know, I bought a robot camera, you know, a solo shot and I just film myself. And and that's kind of how I progress just by watching my footage. Okay. You know, I'm hitting it this way. Maybe I should hit it towards this end section. Maybe I should be, you know, not as parallel to the wash when I go up or more parallel to it, you know? So I just kind of use that. And that's why I have so much, you know, content because I'm filming almost every session that, you know, out there, especially when it's, you know, the spots closest to me. So.
0: And that's something as everyone's trying to progress through the sport, that's something that is, I don't know if it's overlooked, but we, we don't talk about it too much. And that's the deliberate practice feedback loop. I, I was lucky enough to have Anders Erickson on the show. I don't know, probably three or four years ago. He wrote the book Peak, and he he passed, which is sad because he was going to come back on the show. And I really enjoyed talking to him. And then we we would you know trade emails every once in a while. And he was the guy who pioneered all the work in the ten thousand hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell then took and you know based his work off of. And but the deliberate practice circle of you know set intention and then feedback in this process and in surfing, which you could argue maybe not is, is not a deliberate practice sport, but the video is the feedback and without access to video, I don't want to say you're wasting a session because surfing is always fun, but as far as progression goes, you're not going to progress as fast as you could. If you don't have the ability to break things down totally. and solo shots, a great way to do it. If it works or else for some reason, I think cause we're close to a Navy base. I think they downgrade GPS. That's what I've landed on.
1: Yeah. It, it's like the greatest thing and the worst thing, you know, it's, it's like winging, you know, it's like the best, but the worst, you know, when it, <laughs> when it, when it, when it's going good, it's great. And then when it's not going good, it's like the worst thing ever. I have like sessions with it where it's literally, I'm like just out of frame and it stays that way, like the whole session. It's yep. the most frustrating yep. thing ever. It's like, it's like the camera's moving, but it's moving to keep me out of frame. Like I'm, so, I get so pissed off. But
0: that happens to me all the time. I'm like, I was going fast right there. It's like zooming down the beach.
1: <laughs> I'm nowhere. To but when fast. it works, it's great, you know. And, and it's real fickle. Like I ha- I have a certain way I have to set it up, and if I deviate or change or rush any of those things. Like it won't work. And yeah, a lot of slides, it just doesn't work. Uh, sorry, what was that?
0: What, what are your tricks for setting it up? I mean, if anyone has a solo shot, you know the...
1: Yeah, the so, back- yeah so I powered on early, you know, with open sky, you know, it needs open sky. So I, I turn it on early. I set it up with it powered on. I give it like, I don't even know, 5 to 10 minutes, at least 5 minutes, I would say, to kind of just whatever, do its things, let the sensors, you know, activate or whatever. Then I power on the tags after that, and then I'll calibrate it and then do that walk around and stuff. But if I brush it or let's say I calibrate it and then the camera is not really following the tag, you got to start that whole process over. I think the times where it doesn't work most of the time, is like, it does that and I'm not willing to kind of do the whole process over again because it's about... I would say like 10 to 15 minutes to get that thing started. And when the waves are firing in front of you, like that's like (laughs) a lifetime. You're just like this. An hour on the Oh yeah. So yeah. So I mean, start it up early, you know, take the time to calibrate it and make sure it's actually calibrated before, you know, you do anything before you go out in the water. So, but even with all that, some days it just doesn't want to work. It's, you know, it's finicky.
0: Yeah. So let's go back to the air game right now. And, yeah, you know, I've noticed a lot of guys riding shorter masts. What what mast are you riding?
1: So for like my surf and strap riding, I use a 26-inch mast. Um, And to me, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was using a 24-inch mast when I was riding this stuff. But with the cloud, prior to them having the stock one, 26. They sent me a few that I cut and I actually cut down to 24 to tr- test that out. Cause that's what I was writing before. And mean, it was, that was actually too short. I was breaching on my bottom turns and things like that. So then I got another one and I cut that to 26 and it was perfect. It's like just short enough to be loose and lively, but not too short where I'm breaching too much. To me, a shorter mass in the surf, hitting whitewash, doing airs, doing rotations is, you know, where it's at. As long as the waves aren't too big. There's some, um, you know, cons to it. Like you can't do those super rail carvy kind of turns. You know, it's it's just the wingtips are just so much closer. And then you can't really use like, you know high aspect kind of wing if you do a shorter mass just because it's like when you go on rail that tip is going to stick out so much sooner than it would on a longer mast. but uh, yeah but the liveliness of it is way. is so much more with the shorter mass i love it
0: yeah I, i'm going the other way right now i've been riding a lot of longer masts so that i can carve harder
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, worry. I think for I carving about where you're at. Yeah. I mean, there's uh carving and even pumping, I would say. Um, if you have like a kind of a longer cadence and a more glidey kind of pump, the longer mass would be better for those mm-hmm. who have like, you know, kind of quicker, shorter, like a shorter mass, you know, is better for pumping and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I actually, when I ride no straps, I, like riding the 30 inch mass, you know, yep. just to kind of put, you know, a little more into my cars and stuff. I,
0: I like your, uh, strapless clips. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. I kind of watch the strapless clips a little bit more than the, than the air clips.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do it. I mean, I do it a bunch. Actually yesterday I went strapless. And then I think today the waves have been a little weak. So I've been getting super frustrated, um, with my strap stuff. I I like when it's kind of weak and I'm not like writing out of my errors. And so I just get so frustrated. So, so yeah, so I went strapless yesterday. So I'll probably be posting some strapless (laughs) clips in the next few days. So last
0: time you were on the show, we talked about how to get into straps and we don't need to rehash that. All I want to ask is a year and a half later, have you changed your technique at all?
1: Yeah. Um, backfoot first to like die. Matt Costa, I'm coming for you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's, I think it's very personal. Like it's, there's no wrong way to go about it. I just started with a backfoot first kind of, you know, mentality. So when people ask me what's the best way, I mean, you just got to go out with what you're comfortable with. I think even back then I was saying I was missing straps and like year and a half later, I'm still missing my straps. You know, I'm not a getting into it every time I'm still kicking it with my toe. My toe is still sore. So those things just kind of never change. It's just part of the way it is. And like my strap design sort of helps some of those things, but it's, you know, there's still this material that's on your board that's, you know, rigid and it's, you know, it takes practice to kind of get into it. But yeah, I think my approach to it all just kind of, you know, like I said, it just evolved into like, I'm more into the, the surf aspect of it. Um, I don't have a jet ski, so I don't tow a lot. So I can't get a lot of practice of doing high speed, you know, big boosters, you know, most of my airs and things like that are all, you know, like, from me, you know, personally assisted, you know, kind of, you know, I'm not getting any kind of assistance with a jet ski or anything like that.
0: Gotcha. On the back foot first, Brian and I were just talking about that the other day and he's also back foot first, but he was saying he thinks a lot of that comes from what foils guys are riding in that foils that have you know, more front foot pressure, you probably need to land that first or foils like a lift where you kind of have to hold the foil up a little bit more, you know, less lift You're, you know, it's more advantageous to get the back foot in first. So maybe some of it's driven, especially at the beginning, whatever foil you're riding is what feels more comfortable by just a balance point.
1: Um, That was his take. Maybe Well, I think, I think what it is too, it's just It's just kind of where you're at with it and and what you're going to stick to. What I've noticed with a lot of guys is they'll just run a front foot strap first, you know, and not put a back foot because they have a hard time getting that back foot in. So they progress from having, you know, because they're so used to putting that front foot in anyways, that when they put the back foot, that it just naturally goes there first. That's one reason I think of why a lot of people are going front foot. I mean, it's just kind of like, for me, you know, I think, yeah, when I first started, I was talking to Brian about it and he said back foot and everything. So so that's just what I went for and what I do, you know? I mean, there's definite pros and cons to both. Like, I like the fact of getting my back foot in first. So when I'm on the wave, I'm locked in, I'm ready to go. You know, I don't have to kind of get out to the flats to, you know, get a moment to slide it in. However, I think guys that do front foot first, can probably take off later and on steeper waves just because they don't have that split second of trying to get that back foot in first, you know? So I'm envious of that. And I've actually tried to do some front foot first, but it, my mind just, is not working like that. You know, I'm just back foot first till
0: I die. When you look at the foiling landscape right now and the talent that's out there, some of the kids like Mateo um, coming up or, or Austin, what are you seeing that's impressing you, surprising you, inspiring I
1: think, yeah, I mean, it's insane. I mean, we're just scratching the surface with it all. I mean, you look at like clips from like a doing, you know, backflips, riding out, you know, Matteo. And then like the winging is like insane. What some of these wingers are doing is crazy. You know, I mean, they're doing, you know... Multiple rotations, flips, front flips, back flips. Tituan is doing double backs, you know, at whole kipa like with a wing. It's insane. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, gonna progress to some crazy stuff. And you know, the fact that guys are are doing things and writing out and it's progression to, the, to that point, I'm super stoked on because I think in the beginning when everybody's doing kind of backflips off the back, it's cool. It's fun. It's sick. But you know, if you're not writing out, it's more just kind of practice kind of thing, you know, in my mind. So the fact to see, you know, guys doing these things and writing out is, I mean, that's where you know, the progression needs to go towards. And I want to see more like on the wave kind of stuff, you know, like that's what I want to see. I mean, it's there, you know, the equipment and the foils, you know, it's going to progress really quickly. So it's insane.
0: Absolutely. It was really cool to watch all. I mean, I get to surf with him all the time and he's strapped air guy of, of Mm -hmm. the, Florida, East Coast, and to watch what happened when he went from when, when the 725 came out, when the Armstrong 725 came out, and he's going that much faster, all of a sudden his airs were two, three feet higher. Some <laughs> of the stuff that you see live is just yeah. mind blown. It's like, you know, five, six feet out, you know, unassisted, you know, pumps out, yeah, links in, speed run six foot blast out the back and he lands a lot of them. Nice. It's, I mean, that's just bonkers to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I get a lot of that too. Cause um, I'll go to, cause most of the time I'm, it's just me and my wife out in the water but then I'll go to mm-hmm. spots and, and foil with people. And they're like, oh, wow, like your hairs look so much bigger in person than on your clips. It's like, I don't really think your hairs are that big on your clips. But then when I see it in person, they're kind of bigger. So, so I mean, yeah, yeah. to see it in person and then if you're noticing that it's that much bigger than what it was before, then yeah, he's going huge. So that's super sick.
0: Yeah, it's unreal. It's such a fun, at some point I'm going to dive in. I'm going to, my whole thing here right now is just, I'm having so much fun, and I don't. F- I feel I don't feel like I need more hobbies within foiling, so I'm I'm not rushing to yeah. to, to pre- new ones. But at some point, it will turn on and it'll be fun. Yeah, I Sunday. mean,
1: well, I feel like you're already in you know, riding. Like you have straps, you know, because like some of those hits that you're doing, which I trip out because I'm just like, like <laughs> I would not even. Think about hitting a section <laughs> like that, unless I had straps, you know. Because and you had like Mike and stuff, and then some of you, some of the shocker ones, I'm just like, oh, like so sketch. But but yeah, it's super sick. But I think you know, if you do dive into the straps, like you're gonna, you know, see like you can hit it, and not, like the thought about it kind of going left, in and all of that is kind of taken out of it. And then you're just going to whip it like that much harder, you know? Oh yeah, totally.
0: I'm I not mean, about knees and ankles. That's what I worry about.
1: It just, it, it depends on your approach. Like if your approach is to go out and go, you know, height for height with Austin, then I would say, yeah, your knees, your ankles are probably gonna, you know, (laughs) have have some problems with that. But if you just want to go out and and do a hit and like whip it as hard as you can, just have that control, then it is so much safer. As long as you're just not like throwing caution to the wind and just kind of throwing, going as high as you can out into the flats and things like that. I think when I had my injuries, strap riding. I was just, you know, recklessly hitting sections. I was just trying to get as high as I could. And I hyperflex both my knees. Like I, this was pretty early on too. I was, went out to Kahana. um, It was like one of those Kahana days or weeks actually. And then the first day I rode like a smaller foil, I was doing airs and stuff landing fine. The next day was a little smaller. So I was like, okay, I'll ride the next size up foil. And I still had that mindset. I wanted to do huge errors and everything. So I did a big, huge error, flew over the whitewash, went out into like the shoulder flats. And then as the foil engaged in the water, rather than going all the way down and letting the board hit the surface, it just totally engaged in the the water. And then just the board just shot right back up towards me. So as I'm you know, me and my 200 pounds is coming down, the board's going up and I just like heels to ass, like knees totally, you know, hyperflexed. And I think I tore my meniscus. I think that's what it was, but yeah, I was out for maybe like two or three months, but after that, I was like, I need to change my approach. So I've really focused on, you know, knowing where like i'm gonna place the board where i'm placing the foil um not going too big when i do go big it's because i know exactly where i'm going to be landing and stuff like that so so i think that was it actually really helped me because it it kind of evolved my style to the where it's at today because now i like i don't do like those kind of straight errors it's it's always kind of like more of an arc to it gotcha know?
0: You, you know what always. I, I think my favorite turn that you do that I actually model a little bit, I'm like breaking it down. I think that, and it, I see you do them unstrapped. They're not as radical, but they're still radical, mm-hmm. which is when you're hitting it backside, like super vertical, kind of throwing <laughs> the tail. Up. Yeah. And there's really no one unstrapped. Adam had that one clip where he threw the tail out on a backside hit, but those are really hard. They're super sketchy unstrapped and you seem to have those pretty dialed.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, the way that it pivots. I I just find, you know, I just have a comfort with with that hit. So yeah, I just kind of really sort of pivot and I put so much pressure on the tail when I bottom turn into that. And I think doing that just kind of sets it up. And then I'm just, because of that, I'm just real confident in it. And that's kind of like a good takeaway. It's like, you gotta be, you know, confident in, in it. You know when you say I want to hit this foam, like you can't, you know, half-ass it, <laughs> you can't, you can't baby, no. it. like you, you need to, you know, bash that, you know, as hard as you can and then be confident that you're gonna ride out. So,
0: I had someone just made that meme about, you know, hit you having your next whitewater hit after the last <laughs> one with like the demons of war or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, and. I had one probably about a month and a half ago, right when I got the 1095 and that foil, you know, actually you can throw it out pretty good, but I had a bigger tail on and it was on the Takuma mass, which rides a little bit farther back. The way I'm riding it now is completely different than how I had it set up then. And I went to hit one and tacoed, and I have a clip of it. I should post it at some point, but the foil was coming right at my face. You know, it's tip on. I haven't taken the tips off the 1095 yet because it's so magical and I blocked it with my left forearm as it was coming at my face. And thank God I was in a wetsuit because I still had like a pretty good like bruise. My whole wrist turned black and blue. Oh, Didn't cut yeah. me though. Thank goodness. And then for a couple of weeks after that, I was, I just, I told myself I was going to take a step back because <laughs> I had to send it really hard. And then I was kind of nervous going in. And once you're nervous going in, it's not a good, it's not a good way to go in. Like no. you just said, no.
1: Like, no, like man. I, I would say, just I would start really slow, just like, you know, do a couple of hits, like maybe a little bit under the wash, you know, like, and just kind of work your way back to it. But yeah, yeah, it's. Sometimes.
0: I'm fully back now, but it, I took a week. I was like, I'm gonna calm down <laughs> a little bit.
1: I'm gonna work with Mike
0: because Mike Pedigo sends it so hard, you can't help but send it super hard. And <laughs> His wipeout reels are so good. Like oh, man, he posts every once in a while, but. Every session he's he's got like three that you're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but he sends it harder than anybody. So That's
1: sick.
0: Yeah, it's so good. What do you want to talk about, man? We got some more time left.
1: Okay. Um, How are you doing on time? I, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Let's see. What
0: are we doing? We got some user, some uh, listener questions yeah, yeah, posted yeah. up. Matt's hilarious, right? <laughs> uh, Hunter wants to know about your Hood River trip. You did Hood River?
1: Yeah, so sick. Like, as far as the you know, that was my first time doing Hood River. I went for the AWS side, that, that trade show and stuff. And it was the first time hanging out with the cloud guys, which is unreal. Shout out to those guys. So much fun. Such a sick trip with the worst wind conditions that you ever would want for mountain. It was like so awful, like so bad. Like prior to the trip, I'm like, Oh, what am I going to bring? You know, I'm talking to Chris at cloud. I'm like, okay, so what kind of wings I'm using a five and a six here, you know, in Hawaii, most of the time meter wing, you know? So I'm like, Mm -hmm. and he's like, Oh no, he's like three, five, you got to just bring your three, five and your four, two, like, because we're probably all going to be using that. So, and then, yeah, when I went, I used, basically a six meter the whole time the wind was so light it was like blasting before we got there and then the day after we left it was blasting so it was just a you know unlucky time period but september is kind of that sort of you know late in the season i guess so we just got super unlucky but the layout is super sick like it's i see the potential there so I will be going back this year for sure. Probably in the better months, you know, June, July, August, I guess I'll try and go. But yeah, that, that place, you got to go. Like, especially if you're getting into your stand-up downwinding, dude, like, yeah, it's it would be so sick for that. Like, I want to learn how to suck downwind for that because it just, like, over there is super sick. And then you're connected with TJ. He is, like, the guru of subdown down winning, like you go with him, he knows like all the routes and everything. So you'll be like super stoked. I think if you go, so I would, you know, if you get a chance, I, if I were you, I would definitely head to Hood River.
0: That is on the list. Dave, Dave Kalama keeps telling me like, that's the trip I need to make. Yeah. So I should listen to Dave. Vince DeFoy wants to know, how do you catch, uh, waves on your 27 liter board. Yeah. This is a good conversation because yeah. I ride really small boards. Do I ride like 24 at a buck 90? So yeah, pretty yeah. similar.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like once I started going lower, well, well, the way that this actually happened was I've been kind of going less and less volume, but not that much drastic. I was going from like, I think it was like 38 down to 33 down to, or actually, yeah. I think I went down to 33 and then, um, I had Glenn make a board for my wife that's in my shape, but smaller, you know, for her. So it was 22 liters, 310, like tiny, my wife's small. So, and she didn't like it for some reason. I don't know. She just didn't like it. So I was like, oh, well maybe I'll try this board. So, so like we're out in the water and I'm like, oh, let me try it. So I got on it and I was just like blown away on how good it felt. It just, you know, it being that thin over the foil would just made it so much more responsive. So after that I was hooked. So that board I put, she didn't have inserts in it. So I put inserts, I started using it for strap writing and stuff, but that board is pretty difficult to catch 22 liters at three ten for a 200 pound guy is pretty hard. I I'm catching waves that are like, you know, waves waves. I can't catch whitewash. Like if whitewash comes, it just rolls over my back. Like it just pushes me under the surface and rolls right over my back. So I need to catch like more legit wave waves with it. So it can get kind of frustrating. So then working with Glenn, I ended up, you know, actually having the same shape as the boards that I was writing, just thinner, so that's where I ended up getting down to like a 27 liter board, but it's still a four, three, I think it's like 18 and a half or 19 inches wide, I Forget. but the surface area is there. So, and you know, because we have foils under our boards, once I get that thing moving, it, it paddles, you know, relatively well. And, you know, I'm not willing to kind of give up the responsiveness just so I can paddle a little better. You know, I'm kind of at that point, you know, with my foiling and stuff, I'd rather struggle a little to catch the wave and have the board ride better than, you know, catch everything in sight. But, you know, I can't, you know, turn it as hard as I want to. So.
0: Yep. That's, you know, I think one thing that some folks might not think about is that the foil is providing lift, mm-hmm. you know, well before, it's lifting you out of the water. So at two miles an hour, you still have lift on the foil, which is actually adding, you could look at it like it's adding volume to the board. Totally. So, you know, I ride four, 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 five, four, sixes, like 17 and a half now, but they have good surface area. Yeah. So you yeah, paddling out. Isn't as fun, especially in a wetsuit, the whole thing right now in a four, three, that kind of sucks. But then Catching waves, as soon as you get a little bit of velocity, all of a sudden, you know, it's a 40-liter board. Yeah. And totally, you know, there's no problem popping up on it. Now I will say some of the smaller foils, like lift 120 for me, you know, that's when, yeah, you need like the section. I'm, I'm usually taking off down the line on the lift 120 so I can get to that. You know, speed where I can actually pop it up out of the water because the stall speed for me on that is like, even on the the 1095. You mm-hmm. know, the 1095 stall speed for me is right around 10 miles an hour.
1: Oh wow, yeah, that's still pretty fast, right? It, it is,
0: but it, once you get it in that range, it, uh-huh. it's really easy to get there, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. All right, so we got Kanye East. I like that name. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on countercultures? Why are we all drawn to boog et cetera and foil? Yeah, because you come from the bully board world.
1: Yeah, which is a counterculture, and now uh, yeah. spoiling counterculture at this point. I, th- I think so. I think it still is. I mean, it's there's some. I mean, I've been and I've been seeing it kind of recently. Like this bill was kind of put. Fourth, like because all these bills are coming out so that was kind of some drama the past few weeks but it's gonna die well i guess here in and I, I think on maui is where the bill started they wanted to kind of regulate foiling well they kind of clumped foiling into regulation for certain commercial harbors and things like that but it was sort of real general it kind of was statewide in this bill and yeah everybody was you know kind of freaking out about it. We're like, oh, you know, here we go. And, you know, now it's like we're going to get arrested for foiling. (laughs) I'm like, holy crap. But uh, long story short, with that bill, it's going to die. You know, the guy who wrote the bill, they, you know, and and, and, hey, props to these spoilers and wingers Man, we like come together as a community because like people are like hitting up senators and things like that. It's crazy. So, but long story short, it's going to die. They make it general just to get a conversation going. I think, I think Dave uh, uh, Kalama, I guess he spoke to some people here and and he said, oh yeah, they're working it out. It's just there to kind of start conversations like, okay, this is an issue. You know, how are we going to fix it? And they're fixing it within their own community. They're not going to involve the government, which is great. So, but, but yeah, so I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say Simeon was just on the show. I'll release that probably tomorrow. Nice. And you know, I asked him his take on you know regulating foil because as a Hawaiian lifeguard, he's right there on the front lines and seeing mm-hmm. the real danger. And he said that to date, there's not been one recorded foiling injury from you know a foiler to a surfer. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that to longboarding or you know kayaks running through the lineup, all of that you know, I mean, maybe there's fear, it's fear of the unknown, but yeah. you know, there's no data backing the fact that foiling is dangerous. Well, at this
1: point, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of when I go to those spots that he has the lifeguard. I'm afraid of all these girls on longboards who don't wear leashes, whose boards are flying at me. Like to me, I'm more afraid of that than a foiler who's, you know, doing two and three for one. So, <laughs> so yeah, but it's, yeah, I think It's just the look of it. It just looks like, you know, something that can hurt you. And it can, but I think the way that people progress and evolve and learn to foil, it's very humbling. So we all, you know, all the foilers, like you can't just jump on a foil and be like, oh, I got this. You know, it's something that, you know, you have to respect. And I think that's why there aren't any, you know, injuries related to that. I mean, it's going to happen, you know, just because more and more people are out there, but I'd I'd say for the most part, we're still kind of in the somewhat respect zone of it, but it it is going to happen. Yeah. And
0: and a point that he made, which I completely agree with is that there are no newbies to the ocean sports hopping on a foil. It's not like you go to Hawaii and you're like, you know, from Ohio and I'm going to learn to foil on this trip. Never been (laughs) You know, you're going to be on a soft top or a longboard mowing people down, you know? So foilers are probably already somewhat talented in ocean sports. And so, you know, they know the rules of the road, what to look for, what to avoid. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an errant board that gets washed through a lineup and it's going to hurt somebody. And and that's terrible. And wear leashes if you're around people always, but
1: Wear a leash, wear a Kauhi leash. They're
0: the best, but yeah. Yeah, huge, huge shout out. I don't give them enough love. They sent me a bunch of leashes and I love them. And it hasn't been until I started doing more like offshore runner sends and now the wing and the downwind stuff that I'm really loving the leashes. Cause where we foil, it's just an, like there's nobody. So we don't have to wear leashes in the surf, which is awesome. But for safety now I'm rocking the, I think it's the four or five foot coiled leash. And I love it. Nice. it's not in my way. And yeah. So huge shout out to Cahoe and thank you guys. Yeah. for
1: Yeah. Roy, Roy. Over really is, good product. He's awesome. Yeah. No, his, and, and he's super on it. He's always coming up with new things and I talked to him a bunch, but yeah, he makes quality product and, and the factory that makes his stuff is the same factory that makes my strap. So super oh, cool. high quality. Yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked. So yeah. Shout out to Roy. Thanks so much.
0: All right, let's get into Chris Krispy Kreme. Funny wants to know about mast foot strap position, and this is something I think about if I was ever going to train, like kind of like get into the strapped game. Is that I move my feet a lot when I foil. I don't even know what stance I would want to ride because (laughs) I ride probably three different stances depending on what I'm doing. Sure. So how do you, you know, commit? to a position on a board and why?
1: So like, okay, so take your situation. I would tell you, you know, first off to, you know, pick, I would say the smaller foil that you would want to ride, you know, if you're going to do straps. So, so I would start there. And then where your feet are, where you're doing your turn or your hits that's the position that you want your straps to be in, because
0: I, I do turns and hits in different foot positions. Like a, yeah. a carve is a very different foot position for me. Yeah, than it, it,
1: it's going to be more of your hits, um, okay? Because the carving, you'll still be able to carve even in that position with the straps because you're kind of pulling on it more, and and you're going gotcha. to be able to control the board more. But the hits, you want your feet to be relaxed and more comfortable when you're doing hits carving. You can kind of, you know, it's not as critical, but, you know, when you're doing a hit is is where you want your feet to be the most comfortable. And, and that's the position that you want. So I would say you start there, but it could change, you know, like even when I get new boards and things like that, it takes me, you know, a while to kind of dial in placement and stuff, you know, and then straps just add on to that dialing in. So it, it, it can be, you know, sometimes it takes me a week.
0: Do you pull out your back foot at times to pump? I, Austin does that a lot. He'll uh, pull out his back foot, move it up for the pump run. And then on the connection, put it back in the strap.
1: I do not. No. I wish I could. I just don't have that kind of, I mean, I guess if I practiced it, I could maybe get into that. Usually when I'm strap riding, I'm not riding a wing that I'm trying to do like three, four, five. I mean, I can do three and fours with it, but I'm not trying to be up on foil. I'm more focused on the hit itself. So I can pump as much as I need to with my feet in the strap. So I, I don't pull it out, but I, but there's merit to it because yeah, where my back foot is when I'm in a good pump is definitely, I would say, you know, in front of the, where the strap would be, where, you know, where it needs to be for when I do my hits and stuff. So.
0: Gotcha. And so then what's the best way to do that? Just go foil that whatever wing you're going to ride the setup in the position where you want your mast and then look at your feet. Yeah. Bring some chalk out, draw it on there while you're foiling.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would say that. So yeah. When a lot of people ask me, Oh, like, Oh, how should I set it up? But I always say dial in your equipment first, you know, dial in the mass placement and everything. And then just just pay attention to where your feet are. I mean, it's hard to do, but you just got to kind of take that time. And And it's basically you're just, you know, trying to have an educated guess of where to start at. I always recommend taking tools out to be able to move things and stuff in the water because, you know, if you go out and it's doesn't feel quite right and you aren't able to move it you know then it's just will take it long you know take longer to dial that in so i i would suggest taking a tool out moving things around because like the difference between it feeling like magic and it feeling like garbage could be like a quarter of an inch <laughs> you know like I've moved things like that minutely and it has made you know the biggest difference in the world and with my straps I have all of those things that kind of deal with that I have like let me see let's see three six nine I have 11 holes <laughs> you know to <laughs> move the angles and everything because I'm you know super finicky and really you know like when something feels good and and knows when something doesn't feel good. So I like having options. So that's into the design of my straps. You know, you can really subtly move it and tweak it and it makes such a big difference.
0: Do you leave the straps a little loose so you can move your feet inside the straps? That's something Brian does. He likes to be able to move his feet for different feels, you know, an inch or so inside the strap.
1: Yeah. So the way that I design my straps, (coughs) excuse me, there's like an offset. So, so I like having kind of a higher arch when I set it up. So with that higher arch, my foot slides in really easy. There's an offset. So it kind of takes away that extra material. So your feet don't catch on it as much. And then there's a wide side and a narrow side. So when I'm engaged in the straps and I'm doing my airs, you push up against that wide side and it actually cinches the strap around your foot. And it's like super locked in. But what's good is when you release that pressure off of it, it loosens up and your feet are actually free, you know, like, cause I want to get in quick and I want to get out quick. I don't want to, you know, be locked in and not be able to get my feet out because if you're in trouble or, you know, The foam hits you weird. You want to be able to get your foot out there, out of that strap. So, so yeah, so I don't make my straps tight in the sense to where you have to, you know, really work your foot to get into it. Like your feet should slide in. And then when you engage it, feel locked in. When you disengage it, you know, your feet can come out super fast. And that, you know, went into the design of of how my straps are.
0: That's epic. you what do you want to close with? Let me
1: see. Yeah, just super stoked. I'm super stoked on the amount of support I've gotten throughout this past year and a half, you know, thanks to Cloud9 Foils. I love, you know, I've tried all kinds of different foils, but I always, you know, end up back on my cloud. Like to me, they're the best surf wings, you know, for the way that I like to ride. I haven't tried. I
0: haven't had the chance to ride the new series of the yeah. clouds. What's the feel that you get out of them that's different from other foils?
1: It's, I, I feel like I can turn it as hard as I want. So like my daily driver is the F28. Yeah. And it's kind of a smaller wing for my weight, but, but the way it's, let me see. I think it's like, it's from like, it's like a one hundred and fifty square inches around there.
0: Pull it up, Cloud. Come on, you got to start naming your wings. The <laughs> no, square, well,
1: actually, well, I, I like the how they name the their wings because because their wigs are wingspan. So twenty eight is a twenty eight inch wingspan.
0: Maybe it should be twenty eight one hundred and fifty. So you know, actually, it's so they complicated have... with everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> like GoFoil just randomly putting numbers on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It makes my job harder.
1: Uh, oh man, I can't find this. Yeah, I, I think it's like range.
0: That's like my surf
1: range too for you know pretty good surf. Oh, here we go. Wing sizes. Okay. Yeah, 28 inch wingspan. Nine, it's like 960 square centimeters, 150 square inches. So it's like okay. a nine, nine something, like a nine fifty kind of thing.
0: So it competes directly with like the 150 V2 from Lyft or the Game Changer 900 or now the Viper 150.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of in that area. But the way that the design is, it has that, you know, center cord, which helps on the low end. So I can be going, you know, super slow and still be on foil. And then because the tips are, you know, so small like when I need to turn it, it just turn, I can turn it as hard as I want, you know? And I don't get those same kind of feels with like, you know, like any other wings that I've really tried, like they'll maybe kind of pump and glide a little bit more easily. But, and to me, this, even with it being that kind of small, I can pump this thing. Great. You know, it's, I would say like, it's, it's a great, gliding pumping wing for somebody who's really conscious and good at knowing the efficient angle of the foil. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. Yep. And, and I find that I, I test so much different gear and it's always interesting. I've gotten pretty good at being able to figure out what makes something work now. Cause I have done it so much, but you know, different foils will have different, you know, places of efficiency, like speed efficiency ranges and different styles of pump. It's a, uh, it's such a cool game when you start figuring out, feeling how each of these wants to be ridden, where if you yeah. just went out and you just, you know, applied your technique to everything, you don't ever really get to feel the beauty and the different foils. But, you know, if you're open to how they want to be ridden, you know, I pumped, uh, you know, yesterday was my first session on the 170 Viper. And I stalled it a couple of times at the beginning, pumping it. And then I realized that it, it likes like a big swoopy pump, huh. like powerful, but long. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting. And then once I figured that out, it flies. I mean, it's like, it pumps really good. But, you know, if I was just stuck in the mentality of like a high aspect tap type pump, yeah, it, it didn't feel very good like that. Huh. So,
1: so cool. Yeah. I feel like you would like how these wings drive. Because the type of hits that you're doing, it's like super conducive to that. I mean, cause it's like the way that I ride, it's like, I do big hits and then, you know, I let the board crash down and I'm going really slow. So I need that early rise lift to get back up on foil, to get out of that wash after the hit. And then in the hit, I need it to, you know, be in full control. And because the tips are so tapered down, it just cuts right through, you know. So it's like that really blend. Huh? Yeah. Oh, it's it's yeah, I love it. Like I can turn it as hard as I want, you know, log out, you know, get the board down and then pop it back up really easily. And I don't get those feels with other foils that I've tried. You know,
0: well, it shows in your riding, you know, your carves are always looking really on point. I think it's underrated about your foiling you're actually really smooth on all the cars and then the hits as the exclamation points.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I definitely, once I kind of, you know, got my feel of doing errors and stuff like that, I I wanted to focus on the carving and, and mix it up. And, and definitely, I think Adam was on the show recently talking about, I don't know anybody, you know, that kind of does the, the, pairs with the cars and things like that. And, and so it really in, inspired me to really do that, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. And so, yeah, I definitely try to incorporate more cars. So rather than just like, cause in the past I would just pump out, get into the wave and just kind of stand there waiting for that section and try to go at it full speed. So now I'm doing like, you know a couple of figure eights, a couple of infinity turns before I hit that section, just you know, make yep. it look prettier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, what do you want to leave folks with?
1: Yeah, so yeah, follow me on IG, Paul Cooper Foil used to be Flew to Coop, change it to Paul Cooper Foil. Yeah, if you want some straps can go to my website, one by one foil.com for the month of February. I'm going to offer all of the guys who listen to this podcast a discount. So yeah. So just put in progression project and get a discount sick, super sick. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be for the month of February. Yeah. Thanks for all the support from all my sponsors, Glenn with magic. Um, Bob nine cohe leash Roy. Yeah. Super stoked.
0: Well, Paul, thanks for coming on. It's always good to catch up and hopefully we'll be sharing some waves. I can learn from you, man.
1: Oh yeah, for Sometimes. sure. I want to get out to Florida. Brian <laughs> kindly invited <laughs> me so out fun. there. So I, I definitely want to come out cause the waves look sick. Like, like it looks like what I would, you know, love to be riding. The, the clips that you guys post and, and the type of wave, the way it breaks. I'm just like, Oh, there's a section. Oh, there's a section. I'm just like yep. frothing when Skateboard. I see it. So, but I am going to wait for that water to warm up. I, I am not looking to, to jump in there with a four, three, but
0: <laughs> spring, spring is great. You know, like spring. April, May, you might be in a spring suit. You might be in like a light three, two, but we have a lot of surf then. Nice. So. Okay. Yeah, that, that'd cool. be a good time if you're looking for a time. It's so funny, guys want to come to Florida now.
1: <laughs> foiled, I've been to get mecha, here my whole life as a surfer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, thanks a lot for your time and uh, no coming on the show. Appreciate you. Stoked.
1: Progression Project Podcast. Deconstructing foiling, flow on the learning process with your host, Eric Ankinson.